in true retrospective status, I'm just hitting record because we're probably going to end up talking a lot of crap. So, yeah. Um, greetings from the past, which will be someone's future. I really hope we're both still alive because otherwise it's going to be super awkward. Am I dying in two weeks? Um, I hope not. Are you dying in two weeks? Mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> to be determined to mistake. Do I have the bronchitis? I No, bron- I've had bronchitis plenty of times. It hasn't killed me yet. Um, my, my husband is like, don't get me sick because I'll be sick for three months. And I'm like, well, it's because he won't go to the doctor. Keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but also not disagreeing But also me. not wrong. All oh, right. Um, so it is the end of the year, and by the end of the year, I mean, we're totally not recording this right after our last episode. Oh, of course not. It's not like we're both traveling. No, this is completely, like, 11.50pm on December 31st. I mean, like, I probably should put some sound effects in. No, I thought that was serious. Just clink some glasses together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also right here. (laughs) Like, I'm also sitting... There we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so it's the end of the year, which means it's a good time to look back on uh, the sins of the past. So many sins. Or the or the good things of the past. I just feel like I need to get a whip and be like, mea culpa. Um, I, when you said I need to get a whip, there were like three directions that that was going and none of them ended with self-flagellation. <laughs> and now I'm concerned. I'm like... Wait, I know where two of those went. I don't know where the third one went. I was ready for you to, like, pull Catwoman. I was just like, cool. Sweet. Yeah, like, I was ready for that. Uh, I want to get a cat suit. This just got awkward. Anyway. For who? For whomst? Me. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Mostly for my cats who are like, but you're already Catwoman to us. Are, are you Catwoman to them or a loving dictator? Crazy cat mom. Yep. Uh, so I decided... That we were going to do a retrospective, because apparently I would like for us to reflect. Is this like therapy, because we can't afford it? Yes. Okay. Um, so really what we need is like one of those chaise lounges, and then like a clock. Yes. And um, somebody to bill us $140 an hour. Yeah, I like this cheese much more. So. Because this absolutely is not immediately after our last episode. This other cheese is a howda. A smoked howda, which I think is officially the pod's favorite cheese. I think, am I correct in saying that howda is the pod's favorite cheese? If only just because we get to say howda every time. Okay, that's a question I should have added. Favorite cocktail, favorite cheese. Oh, shit. Um, is, is that what we're starting with? No, we can do that at the end. Okay. I think, um, I know which one got us the drunkest. Mead? The mead. Holy <laughs> crap. My Viking brethren would have been mocking me heavily. That was such a... I can't call it a good episode. See, that's my favorite episode. Okay. In all so, honesty. So, for, um, for question one is favorite episode. Um, I love that one because, one, I got to dig into a bunch of random Viking shit. You I got did. to read Tolkien translations, Seamus Haney translations. Um... I felt like it was the most fun to record, and that may have been because we were hammered on meat. We were. Um, but also because I got to drink out of a drinking horn. Yes. Um, and then a chalice. Yes. Yes. I think my favorite episode, I think, is actually Telltale Heart. That was a really good one. Because I think, like, that was a good mix of, like, us actually talking about the book, because we weren't totally drunk. And then there was the Podloff spider. There was the spider, uh, Thackeray. Which we did confirm was male, because we actually Googled what kind of spider he was. The pan-tropical dumping spider. He's, um, he's since left. We don't know where he's gone. I hope he's gone forever. Uh, but I think that was the most, like, coherent and one of the better of, like, true analysis. Uh, because, spoiler alert, we're drunk a lot. <laughs> oh. On the podcast! Not uh, at work, not while driving a car. Well, yeah, obviously not. Um... So I do think that, like, sometimes we do stray into, like, we're just talking about whatever, which no one has complained much about. There's a big preface there. Much about. But it's something that, like, I think 
please know that when we are drunk, in the moment we don't know, but immediately after we know. Yes. Um, that happens quite a bit of us talking and talking and talking and talking, and then we end the episode and look at the notes and go, oh, we should have done this, or oh, we were talking about this, or yeah. man, uh, I don't know that we were on track once. Yeah, like, I don't think we talked about the book at all, which I think leads us neatly into least favorite episode. Um, my least favorite, and it's most, and it's funny because it's like all from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, episode three, the toxic masculinity also rises, um, which is the one on the sun also rises by Ernest Hemingway. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is because it made me really, really angry about Hemingway. Which is fair, because he was a dick. Yes. Um, but I also felt like I understood the book a lot more now as an adult. Mm-hmm. It just... It didn't get a lot of listens. That's part of it. And I also learned from that that you can't put the phrase toxic masculinity in the title. Yeah. Um, which is sad, because really that captures it so well. Um, but also we needed a champagne bell. Yeah, I think that one, or honestly, episode one, Watership Down. For me. Watership Down was, yeah, that was that was rough. But, you know, we talked about rabbit fascism being an acceptable form of fascism. We so. did, and it made me uh, digitally impose a hat onto a rabbit. Um, which is fabulous. Which is step one in my career as a graphic designer, apparently. Yeah, it is interesting that I think, like, the ones that I, that I look on with the least positive feelings are those early ones, where I think where we would where we were still kind of like trying to find our voice of like, yes, we're kind of drunk, but also not, which is a place where I get very, very shady. Um, on Twitter, one of our podcasting compatriots had mentioned uh, that there was a plethora of drunk slash high podcast and that they were sort of uh, unhappy with that current zeitgeist to which I say, leave me alone. Also, I think one of the things that we've learned over recording this over slightly over a year now is where our limits are. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not trying to drink to get drunk. No. Um, We're trying to dull the pain of a bad book. Yeah, there you go. We also, it's fun to try new cocktails. Yes. Um, Amanda pours heavy. I pour heavy. Um, That's just how we roll. Yeah. We're not like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try and defend the fact that we get tipsy. Um, I'm not going to defend it. Also, like, I think here's the thing. Um, If it's hurting you that much, don't listen. I also would be interested to know if people would want us to make like, and I hate this phrase, but mocktail or something non-alcoholic, because I feel like there's a lot of really cool options out there. Um, And we're not trying to force you to drink. No, I, yeah. I think I think the cocktail portion of it was a little bit selfish because I used to date a bartender, which means that I was kind of a bartender. Uh, so I think, like, the cocktail portion of it was always a little bit selfish, and, like, the cheese part was also a little bit selfish. Like, Well, the cheese part also started because I think we were reading um, 1984. I yes. think that was when we started doing the cheese plate, and it was just the book was so dark and so depressing that we needed something to get us through it. Yeah. And so then the cheese plate became a regular part of the show. Yeah. It's the, it's the unofficial third host. It's so good. Yeah. And, um, that was also when we started adding the, I guess like mukbang ASMR part, which is us eating on mic, uh, which helps us with the drunk. Cause you can definitely hear the difference. Yes. I, I do love the word mukbang too. Um, if you guys have Disney Plus, and I'm not trying to promote them heavily, but yes, you saying, are. Um, the Jeff Goldblum does the world or whatever. There's a whole thing where he is on a girl's um, live stream on YouTube, and she, he's like, "Oh, what is a mukbang?" And it's like just so awkward to hear him say that. I wish I could still like him. Yeah, I'm not allowed to like him anymore. I'm sorry. I know. I don't. We're not getting political in retrospective. I'm going into it. Um, so yeah, I think my least read episode, I would actually love to like redo episode one, like a better audio. Do I have to reread the book? No. Okay. Then I would be, I would agree to do that. Okay. We don't have to. Um, I didn't get to watch the movie Watership Down though. So I think that was actually supposed to be out 
last year. I didn't see it on Netflix. I didn't either. Which means it doesn't exist. Um, I don't have Netflix anymore. What? Uh, it was one of those things where we're like, okay, what do we watch more? I'm, yeah, I'm getting dangerously close to losing Netflix, but they have like some of my favorite anime on there. And because I don't really want to give Crunchyroll more money, because they're very, very bad with their translations, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Ooh. Crunchyroll is bad with their translations. Is it just like the translation to English from their from yeah, Japanese? It, or? Yeah, it's a lot of that. And I'm also, especially because a lot of the big translation houses actually are in Texas now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we have like a Sentai and we have a Viz office here. We have a Funimation office. Uh, so a lot of the translations are coming out of Texas, which means that they'll throw things in that like just don't make sense. Like, uh, there's an episode of Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood where they refer to someone as an illegal alien, which is actually not a word that exists in Japanese because it's a fucking island. So they don't have the term illegal alien. And it's not that he was an illegal alien, he just at the time didn't have his papers. So in the manga, it just says he didn't have his traveling papers. But in the translation that Funimation did, they call this guy an illegal alien about five times. And it's like, one, he's not a legal alien. Two, Japan has no concept of this. Three, I understand that you're in Flower Mound, Texas. Oh, gotcha. Like, yeah, their Funimation's, like, in my backyard back home. So, Crunchyroll, because they're relying a lot on, like, Funimation and Viz to translate, you're getting these, like, very Americanized translations that are just, like, not good. And there's a lot of things in Japanese that just don't translate over well. This is a full-on fucking tangent, but it bothers me. Um, you'll also see them, like, their own, like, meanie language. Like, doesn't make sense where it's, like... No one in Japan has used the word snack as a, to refer to a man. No no, no one in Japan has referred to an attractive person as a snack. And I don't if, know. Maybe with Lizzo, no. Maybe. And if they translate Aniki as bro one more time, I swear to God. That's a whole, that's a whole Yakuza tangent. Oh, dear. So in the Yakuza, uh, you refer to your older brother as Aniki and your older sister as Aniki, and your older brother and sister are usually like the next above you in the Yakuza. And Aniki and Aniki, respectively, are like the most formal way you can say older brother and older sister. Like we're going back to like old time Japan, the most formal way you can say. So it's a very big respect thing. It's a huge respect thing. Um, so it gets translated out a lot. It's just like big brother, which it makes sense, but, like, usually in the manga, there's, like, a note, like, very respectful. Um, and for whatever reason, Funimation consistently translated as bro, and I vomit every time. Because you're talking about Japanese gangsters, like, hey, bro, what's this? Like, every time I see it, like, a piece of me dies. Like, everything hurts. Everything hurts. Uh, so what was our biggest win of the year of 2019. Um, we survived. <coughs> <laughs> Jokes on ginger beer. <laughs> Jokes on ginger beer. We're not drinking alcohol for this retrospective. I know. We're actually drinking ginger beer and it's extra ginger brew. I think for you, this Tori, is, I know my, my extra ginger. I'm extra ginger. Um, I honestly think our biggest win has been getting commentary from people who aren't just our friends who listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, getting messages back, getting emails, people saying, I like this. I like what you do. Yeah. Or I want you to do this too. Or, um, that's funny. I thought that same thing. Yeah. And, or sober up your lush, sober up your lush. Um, <laughs> it's just very strange to put something out there and be like, okay, well, I just want to do this cause it's fun. And then have somebody else go like, I like what you do. That's yeah. always surprising to me. Yeah, I think um, fundamentally when we entered the podcasting space, I think we did it because we felt we had something to add to the conversation. I think we both came into this with a lot of intentionality because it is a bit of a saturated market. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think we both came into this with a desire to add something new to the conversation. And I think we both came into it going, we're not going to make money on this. No. And um because I know a lot of people come into the podcasting space as, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to be able to quit my job. And um, that's 100% not how it works. No. Um, you don't automatically have last podcast on the left or my favorite murder or the one sponsored by American public media. Like, well, we're certainly not going to be my favorite murder. But. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That's not where everything needs to be. 
yeah, I think there is a space for like those mid tier, low tier podcasts. Mm-hmm. There's like a moment. I was going to make reference to a, also this is we're not going to be this way we drink because we get the Alamo right. I'm just going to eat my cheese. Um, <laughs> so just I a would get the big, big thing for anybody who covers history in Texas. And I have a side podcast, so I can tell you this 100%. If you don't know how the name is pronounced, look it up. Ask a Texan. If you are covering a major battle, major location, anything like that in Texas, do the fucking research. Don't spend five minutes on Wikipedia and think you know it. Because, because you don't. I promise you, a Texan will tell you. Do, do we need to tell that story? Um, I think we need to. I so Tori took I me. I don't like speaking poorly of other podcasts. It's not speaking poorly. It's, okay. So Tori took me on a friend date to go see This Is Why We Drink, a podcast that I'm going to be honest I've never heard of. Yeah. And that's why we drink is what it's called. But. Yeah. This is whatever. Sorry. I am drunk. I'm kidding. I'm fine. I'm like, I love them. I love them very much. They're, they're fine. Um, we went to a live taping and they were going over some Alamo history and they immediately got uh, Jim Bowie's name wrong. They kept calling him Jim Bowie. And I'm like, David Bowie? It's like, it's Bowie. It's Jim Bowie. Because we have the Bowie knife. Like, and just like conflated a bunch of things. Like, Sam- is, I'm just saying was the first thing that I was taught when I moved to Texas. Yes. And it's not Bowie. That and it's not Bexar, it's Bear County. I saw that on live PD and I almost spit out my drink. Because it's like, in Bexar County, where the fuck is Bexar? Yeah, you'll see that a lot. Because we spell a lot of things unique ways. Well, we spell a lot of things with influence from Native Americans and the Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, not unique, just for Oh, also the Germans. And some of the Germans. Some of the Germans. And the Czech. Yeah. And the Flemish. And the Flemish! Uh, shout out to the Institute of Texan Culture is not yet a sponsor. They will probably never be a sponsor because you swear too much. That's true. <laughs> but thank you for what you do, Institute of Texas or Texan love, Cultures. Yes, we love you a lot. Uh, I mean, it was a fine episode. It was a fine live episode. I can see why like they have chemistry, and that's one day something I aspire for Tori and has to do. But uh, don't come into my house and not know how to pronounce my grandfather's name. Like, don't. I mean, not mine. I'm black, so I don't care about the Alamo. But, like, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm black. I don't care about the Alamo. But, like, don't come to Texas and not know. Because we have this thing called the internet. And you can find out. But then the stuff on Emma Kohler was badass, so. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like you could ask, like, an old lady downtown and she could probably tell you the same thing. Mm, I don't know, though. I did do a lot of research on the Pearl Brewery. That's fair. Okay. All right. Uh, my biggest win, uh, becoming friends with fuckboys of literature. Yes, fuck boys of literature. We love you so much. Yes. Uh, that is single-handedly, like, the best name I've seen for anything. Podcast. And honestly, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. It's really well done. Um, so, thank you. Thank you. I was going to call you sweetheart, but then I didn't want to say that and have it sound patronizing, so. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, also, just, like, I think making so many podcast friends has been great for me because uh, Twitter is now my domain. Twitter is now uh, the place I live. So making, like, meaningful podcast runs and, like, podcast connections, because it does sometimes feel like we're all competing with each other in a very, very small pool. And, like, realistically, we're not. Like, no. It sort of, it does honestly kind of remind me of cosplay in a lot of ways. But, like, as soon as you stop thinking about it as a competition, it's just fun. Oh, in all honesty, I love listening to other literature podcasts. I do, too. Um, I love, well, we do the whole, like, listening to ghost podcasts and stuff, too. But... It's honestly, it's it's more fun for me to be able to go, I know that person. Mm -hmm. Like we talk online. Yeah. Um, And so that's cool to me. It's to be able to be like, oh yeah, so-and-so does that out of Seguin or um, it's just exciting. And that we're generally supporting each other. Cause yeah, like Costco, like we all are putting work into this. We're all putting time into this. Like there's no point in being mad at each other. Person who said that they were angry at all the drunk and high podcast. You might be a little mad about that. I just think, here's my thing with criticism. And I think you know this on me doing the literary criticism podcast. If you are not adding anything to the conversation, shut the fuck up. That snarky comment isn't adding to the conversation. It's an opinion and like assholes, you're entitled to have it, but no one has to see it. <laughs> like you're entitled to your opinion always, 
But like, you aren't adding anything to the conversation by saying that. you're not. I'm sorry. Like your edge lord comment is not helping anyone. And I think a lot of what I've learned just getting older is at some point in time you just start going fuck it. Like I'm not gonna say anything. Like, um, and not and that's not about important stuff, but about little minor irritations. Is it because like I'm that. young and full of fire? No, I'm. I'm just saying like there. You learn to pick your battles, and I'm not saying that you're picking a bad battle. I'm just saying that... Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, this is more of a comment for them. It's... You... I, I promise you, if you go back and read your, like, Twitter feed from a year ago or your Facebook feed from a year ago, and you're cringing because of all the, like, stuff that you're like, so-and-so needs to get this together. Like, it's You don't have your life together. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And it's like... I, I hate Facebook memories because I'll find things on there. I love so-and-so forever. And then I'm like, oh, we broke up a week later. Like, I hate Facebook memories because it keeps reminding me of the night my mom died. Oh. Yeah. Mine pops up with my dad, too. And it's like. It's like, hey, remember oh. this night? I'll never forget. Don't worry, Facebook. Don't worry. Got that one on lock. Um, biggest fail. Sound quality. Mm. Um, we had a lot of issues in the beginning. And we're just now kind of getting getting it where we want it to be. Yeah. Which I'm going to laugh if this isn't recording properly. I will cry. Um, the first time that we paused a, a podcast to go do something and came back and didn't record it, I, I thought <laughs> I was going to break a window. <laughs> Bless you. Oh, thank you. I also thought I was going to break a window. That was, uh, there I was watching God? Or was that Sula? I think it was Sula. Uh, it was, it was something yeah. Tony Morrison. And we were just like, fuck, like, uh, we don't have time to record this today. Like, we, we can't. And we ended up coming back, and I feel like doing a better episode. I disagree. I think we had a better conversation oh, the first okay. time. I think it was just more personal. I think we had, okay, caveat. Caveat. We had a better episode as far as, like, talking about the book. I think the first episode we recorded, that we did record had more of that, like, anecdotal, like, personal, here's my experience as a black Kind of thing, which I mean, people aren't tired of yet. So, um, what do you think our biggest fail was? Yeah, I think it was that a uh, recording fail, or honestly, I mean, I think that we could have done better with Beowulf. Yeah, I I think the same with Dracula too. I keep, I keep thinking about it, and then I have to like back away. Dracula also, I think. Well, no, I think for me, Frankenstein. That Halloween live that we tried to do. Where we learned two things very quickly. That iPhones don't have a whole lot of video storage. Yeah. Um, and that wigs are very hot. Yes. And that if I skip a dose of medicine, I will die of here. Yes, please don't die. Um, I think like those are the ones that kind of stand out to me as far as like, we could have done better. Uh, yeah, I would either say like Beowulf or Frankenstein. So as far as goals for 2020, um, I think ideally we want to do a live show. We are doing a live show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get to make those announcements soon, officially. Yes. And then as far as costumes and stuff, we'll, we'll talk, because I don't know that I can do a wig again. Oh, I mean, I can. It's just, we can't do it in this uh, room. No, not, not how hot it is in here. We never got a fan. We never had a fan, though. Can that be our Christmas present to each other as we get a fan? Buy a fan. We, 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 we put a fan right here. I gestured. <laughs> Where it's not hitting the microphone. Where it's not hitting the microphone. Um, I totally want to expand our merch, too. Not going to lie. What more do you want from me, woman? <laughs> a horrible person. Uh, I think for me, I want to do more with our podcast friends. Like we've done a lot to cultivate these relationships. So let's start seeing some of this fruit. Like, let's, like, be on more shows. Let's do more shows with people. Like, let's work with others. Uh, 2020, for me, like, my personal brand with my, like, own stuff is also, like, the year of collaboration. So, like, I want to do stuff. So, like, if y'all are one of our mutuals, DM us. Like, let's talk. Let's do things. Okay. Is it awkward to, like, slide into my DMs? 100%. Please slide into our DMs. Okay. Like, they're open for a reason. Awkward. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I think that that's my goal for next year is, like, I want more collaboration. Because I think that we're good. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, like, polyamory, like, let's see about other things. But, like, I think 
I didn't take it that way. I'm glad, but, like... I was like, wait, what? No, like, I, I just, I think, like, more collaboration, like, we have, we, we've carved out a space in this super cool community of, like, indie podcasts, and I want to just, like, do more with that. We have 500-something Twitter followers. Let's do something with that. We also love questions, too. Yeah. Um, when it comes to a book we're reading or um, how something influences, I think that can be really helpful, too, because it helps us see from a different perspective as well. Yeah, and I think also answering those questions does tend to refocus us because usually where we put it in the outline makes us talk about the book again because usually by that time we've either been talking about Willem Dafoe or uh, <laughs> some actor's dick. Listen, it happens from time to time. From time to time. Gary Oldman. I don't I don't want to talk about how much I love Gary Oldman right now. You already did. You don't need to talk about it anymore. I know, that's why I'm not You've talking already, about it more. You've exhausted it already. I did my years of waiting. You, well, in Azkaban. Anyway, um, we have more questions from our patron, Chris. Are we going to do a learning curve? Audio. 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 When we we finally got two of the same mic and figured out how to set it up so it worked. And then video, I think, is our next. <laughs> okay. Tori didn't want to talk about where we could learn and grow. No. <laughs> she wanted to get straight to the... She wanted to go straight to the candy bar. I'm just saying, I have an anxiety disorder, so I've already analyzed all of this in my head eight times over. I mean, same. Why do you think we drink? <laughs> so we shut up that tiny portion of our brain. It's not tiny. It's quite big. Yes, it's quite massive. So we did like get Gary Oldman's dick. Anyway, <laughs> I hate you. And this is why I tell my mom she's not allowed to listen to this podcast. There um, is a at the local Chinese restaurant that I go to almost every time I'm leaving the podcast because I'm usually still a little bit tipsy and I need food. There's a kid there, and he's like, "You do a podcast? Can I be on your show?" And I said, first of all, I have to be famous. Second of all, I have to be at least eighteen. We swear a lot. We swear a lot. We talk about we sex a lot. We say things that. I don't know, it'll probably get me fired one day, whatever. Um, Maybe. So Chris asks... Our what? patron Chris, who we'd also like more of. Mm-hmm. Not because we're greedy, uh, but because it validates us. What, if any, books would you want to revisit? I think we talked a little bit about this with Frankenstein and Dracula and Beowulf. And Water Shut Down. Yeah, I would really like to redo... You know what, honestly... I can't really think of ones that I want to revisit as much as maybe just, like, stuff from that author I'd like to do, because I feel like we do kind of shit on authors sometimes. Like, yeah. And, and that's honestly mostly my fault. I'm willing to be the one who doesn't like authors. I come in, and I'm like, ah, ah, and then I'm like, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, Tori, Tori does her best to be this interest, and I'm the one that's like, I hate everything. Uh... But with reasons. Don't do a stall lie. Right. Like, I, if you don't know, uh, my writing handle for Fangirl Nation is the Prince of Unpopular Opinions. And, like, for me, that's never meant being a contrarian. It's always just meant, like, I don't like things because I'm old and I'm educated, basically. Like, I'm sorry. You're a little crotchety. It's fine. But I always have reasons. It's never, like, I don't like this thing, end of, end of conversation. It's, I don't like this thing, here's 15 reasons. Um, so it's also much that I think that I want to revisit some, except for, like, maybe Watership Down, and maybe Frankenstein, because we definitely could have done that better. Yeah. In all fairness, I was dying through half of that episode. I mean, same. Yeah, so, in all fairness, we were both dying through that episode, so maybe that one. So which books would you want to drink to forget? Um, um I did not like Grendel as much as I thought I would. And I know that that's horrible and awful and, and terrible, but... You know what? I actually didn't like it very much when I went back to it as well, because, like, I remember I read it when I was in high school. And it was perfect, because, I mean, like, I was Grindle. But now, as an almost 30-year-old, it was just sad and hard to go through. And I never, ever, ever, ever want to read Ethan Fromm again. <laughs> you don't want to read... No, a... I would read The Scarlet Letter over Ethan Fromm. I, that's shocking uh, to me. Uh, Ethan Frome is really bad. It is really it's bad. It's really bad. And I have friends who absolutely love it, and mm-hmm. I, I find it funny. Oh, we did get a what drinks are your favorite. Yes. Uh, conversely, what drinks were your faves and which ones fell flat? I Let's don't... start with favorites because I make them and this affects me. Yes. <laughs> um, 
The French 75 from Gatsby was pretty good. It was really good. The French 75 was really good. Um, because also, in my defense, when we say pour heavy, it's not just we pour heavy. It's that a lot of these are cocktails that are like prohibition, like from the 1700s and stuff. Yes. So it's not just that I pour heavy, which I do, let's be honest. But it's also like, so the recipe for not today, because we're totally recording this after the fact, was literally an ounce of port and two ounces of brandy in a cup. Yes. There's no way that's not... I was at Battalion with a friend, and the guy was like, all of our cocktails are alcohol-forward. Like, it's called a fucking cocktail. Yeah. It's supposed to be alcohol-forward. If it's alcohol-secondary, it's not a cocktail. Like... And it's a mixed drink. Yeah, and then it's a mixed drink, but because um, I ordered a spritzer from them that was Prosecco and a Clochi, and it was delicious, but it was like, because they didn't mix it very well. I'm going to go ahead and say, Battalion, you did not mix that drink well. You poured Clochi into a cup and then you poured it over Prosecco. You should have at least stirred that once. Uh, so, like, that's not alcohol for it. That's just a badly mixed drink. I really, really liked the sangria. I thought that we was know. amazing. Yes, we know. We know. We <laughs> know. Um, no. I liked the Alabama whiskey. That was delicious. Tea. That was that good. Was, that was good. I was not expecting to like that, and I was like, oh. Sangria um, was good. Sangria was very good. I think we drank a lot of Corpse Revivors. We drank two. Whew, I know. They're back-to-back. They were delicious. They but, were. Um, yeah, I think my probably my favorite's, like, Friend 75, Sangria, like, the, the drinks that I drink when I'm at home. So the drinks that I don't think... I'd want to drink again. Anything with Absom. No more Uzo. No more Uzo, no more Absom. Nothing with Absom. Oh, sweet Jesus, that headache after that Uzo. Um, Can we talk about uh, when we drank that death in the afternoon? And just that immediate regret. Oh. Because I opened the bottle and I wafted it to Tori. And the look she gave me was of petrified death. The immediate fear of the Absom. Which we still have. And so here's the thing. I was a goth kid in high school. I was a goth kid in college. I'm still technically a goth I was going to say, when did you stop? Um, I remember my biggest failing, or that I felt was my biggest goth failing, is that I didn't like absinthe. And I've tried it multiple times. I've tried making a death in the afternoon. Tried all of that. It's just like, just not for me. I don't think I would survive in Greece. I don't think I would survive drinking absinthe. If it's anise flavored or any, no, thank you. Yeah, I think pretty much anything that involves absinthe was not great for me. I think most of the cocktails I'm willing to stomach. I drink a lot less because I have to usually drive home. Uh, Tori gets luxury of this being her house so she can get lit. Uh, that is true. <laughs> but we, I, have, we have talked about moving locations and like alternating and stuff too so that my cat stopped trying to kill Amanda. They consistently try to kill me. They're murderous assholes. I just have allergies. It's nothing personal. Uh, They're still murderous assholes. So ones that fell flat. Yeah, I think it's just those those anisees, those the ouzo, the absinthe. That's just such an intense flavor, and you can't do. You know what? We forgot one. Mm-hmm. Spicy mead. Oh jeez, no. <laughs> that was, and I feel bad too because it's like I know they're a smaller brand, but I was just going, no, what the, well, no, we, what are we drinking? We were very nice because we kept saying like, this is probably for someone that someone isn't us. It just, it, oh, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Yeah. And I think the, the hard thing too is we had, had just had that Sky, Sky, River. Sky River mead the week before. And that we really loved. Oh, so good. Um, that and then anytime we use, um, Serious effort, Jen. I love that. Not yet a sponsor, but uh, please call us. Uh, not I yet feel a like we just need to go to their distillery and be like, here. I would happily. I keep, I keep trying to get you to go with me, and you don't go. I know. I never leave my house if I can help it. Um, I'm like, one bottle of gin, and we will cover you for a year. Even less. Uh, I will say, like, ones that surprised me were port. Yeah, port. I didn't think I was gonna like. We and got. Now I feel like an old rich British woman. Can we discuss that when we first did port for Jane Eyre, uh, we were very intoxicated. Oh yeah. Um, also, the dark and stormy was bad. Dark and stormy was rough, um, and I think that was just because that that rum was that hot. rum was harsh. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think I've become a better bartender. Yes, you you do very well. Thank you. Uh, I like today. Which, 
needs to lead us to the triumph, which was the Ramos Jimfas. Yes. The Ramos Jimfas was a delight. It was a pain in the ass, but it was a delight. You did most of the shaking, so I can't even talk. My proudest moment. My proudest moment was the Ramos Jimfas. I can see why that would not be as popular. Just because of all the shaking. That take they, they wanted us to shake it for 15 minutes. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. What, what do you do? I think we made it to five. I think I think maybe five. Yeah. I mean, is that like how you get like those big beefy bartender arms when you get like your sleeve? Because yeah. you're going to culinary school? I don't know. I figure you just like put it on one of those like old like vibrating machines. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just like put it on one of those. Lose weight and make a cocktail. Yeah, I figure you just like strap it into one of those and you just let it shake. So I like this question. Any plans for you both to reach out into analyzing other media, um, analyze movies we watched in school, or even edutainment titles that were on the PC at the time? Um, I would love to do those god-awful movies they made you watch about growing up and body and puberty. Um, they're getting slightly better, but not really. Uh, my stepdaughter's school just made her watch one, and we watched it together on YouTube because she's like, wait, is this normal? Um, and I got to show her one that they showed us in fourth grade called Some of Your Bits Ain't Nice, and it's all in Cockney, and it's terrible. And um, I kind of would love to analyze that. Is this what happens when you go to Catholic school? We were taught none of this. Yeah, no, they just tell you <laughs> abstinence is the key. Yeah, we, we, you, had, you had questions about... We were taught none of this. Ours was, for the love of God, wear deodorant. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, I would. I feel like we end up doing some media analysis just because we end up talking about movies and stuff. Because we don't like talking about the book. I'm not going back to Gary Oldman. Yes, you are. Like, I do feel like we end up talking about, like, a lot of other things, but, like, a dedicated either, like, segment or podcast. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, because I do think that we come at this from, like, a media critic standpoint of us both, you know, critiquing books and TV and movies and stuff like that. You know, and a lot of it is, does this hold up? Does it translate to a modern audience? Yeah. But I, I think, if anything, I think, like, what we can do currently is kind of go back and expand upon those, like, movie sections that we had. Because I feel like those did kind of taper off a little bit when we were talking, like, movie adaptations. Just because they did sometimes, like, eat the episode. Which, I mean, I don't think is bad. But, like, I, I can definitely tell, like, in this, like, I think, like, Gatsby, like, that movie ate, like, some of the episode. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't think it's terrible. I like that movie. We also know a lot about Moulin Rouge. Yes. Which you don't like. Uh-uh. No, I do not. I mean, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. That's not That's not going to be the one I fight you Listen, on. Listen, I was in a burlesque troupe. People already tried to fight me on that. Yeah, that's not going to be That's not gonna be the one that I fight you on. I might fight you on rent a little bit, but... Alright, what books from your school years stood out to be something special for you, if any? Um, that is any that you had to read for an assignment or the like. A lot of what I really liked was not assigned to me. Okay. I read I a lot. I wonder why we have the show. I read a lot of weird stuff. Um, I loved Dorothy Parker, which I know you're all surprised. Every episode, I feel like you have to either rope in pre-Raphaelites or Dorothy Parker. Yeah, that's pretty much. Um, I found... There was a whole series we had in our library, and I've been trying to find the full collection forever from Half Price, but it's um, Man, Myth, and Magic, and it was just a collection series, and it was so good. Um, and it's just weird stuff from different cultures, including ours. Yes. Um, I really found the Malefus Maleficarum fascinating. I love the Witch's Hammer. Um I think I loved Dracula. That was not really assigned, though. I think a lot of it was just finding what I liked, moving from there. I think for me, like the ones that I think stand out are like honestly like Dicey's Song, which is one of the first books that I remember reading. Where like not everything was perfect, and it hit me at a time like right after my dad had died, so it was like exactly what I needed. Um, Green Grindle hit me at a right time of like. Just being angry and feeling like that wasn't like represented well in media. Going really far back, I remember we had to read The Giver. That I was hated I that loved book. that book. I hated The Giver. Um, 
Brave New World was not assigned, but I read that and I mm-hmm. love that. It's I think, fucked up. I mean, like, like books that changed my life. I mean, like, Finding the Poetry of Charles Bodeway, uh, reading a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. Like, I think anything, at least for me, that helped me put a lens on my sadness. Because, like, especially being, like, a depressed, anxious kid, there's not a lot of representation for that in media. No, it's a lot of, fuck up, you yeah. can do it. And, 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 uh, and having a family that was in denial, uh, let's be real, was in denial, and, like, not really, like, affirming that sadness made it a lot worse. So, like, having books where, like, here's a sad guy who writes... <laughs> Like, that was, like, really just kind of, like, affirming. And, like, I will always go back to that line in the albatross of, you know, the albatross is one who is kin to the clouds, and on the ground he cannot stand his wings are in the way. Like, that line to me was, like, you understand me. Like, I am this poet who doesn't belong here. I misquoted the line I don't care from. Uh, but, like, that as a writer, as a creature of, you know, knowledge that I don't belong here. It's a self-entitled sort of thing, but, you know, I, I liked it a lot, so much so that I misquoted it. Um, but, yeah, those are the books that I think mattered a lot to me, and, like, I'm still finding books that mean a lot to me. I think this podcast has made me recontextualize a lot of things that I read, because, like, with Grindel, it's like, oh, no, that was dangerous. <laughs> like, oh, no. That's like me and, um, God, come on, brain, you can do this. This is beautiful, beautiful, sick brain right now. Sylvia Plath, The Bell Jar. Yeah. I read that in 10th grade and laughed my ass off because I was like, I know those feels. I know those feels. And then I reread it earlier in the year and went, oh, sweet Lord. No wonder my mom was like, you should go to therapy. Yeah. Like, yeah, those like cry for help books. And I was like, maybe someone should have, maybe someone should have paid attention. I think also I will say, like, this podcast has been weird of, like, dismantling authors for me. Because we've had this conversation before. It's not that I don't care about authors. It's that I guess, like, with my background in fan fiction, the author is very much dead to me. That, like, you can't remove the author from the work, but that's why you take it. So I can't remove Auntie Jo from Harry Potter. That's why I've just taken it. And it's mine. I think it's been really interesting, too, to find out how history and involvement and stuff, because you always hear that stupid cliche of write what you know, but how much of just experience comes across the page, mm-hmm. whether or not you expect it to. Yeah. And I think at least for me, having a, a place that I can kind of air some of these grievances as a Black person with literature has been very, very constructive, because I think I mentioned this during... um. Ethan Frome was like always kind of hating English class as much as I loved reading because it was trying to make me like these books that were just, I don't want to say like not written for me, but just like were fundamentally like something I couldn't empathize with. Like I couldn't empathize with so many of these books and not, not that they don't mean anything to me now. Like, I mean, Grindel was written by a white guy and I'm still fine with it. Like it's not that I only, it's not like I've gone like full radical and I only read black authors now hardly, but like, it helped put a context on me as to why I felt that way. Because I think there was something in me that felt that forever. Just I didn't have words for it back then. And now I have words for like dual consciousness and white hegemony. I have words for those feelings now that I didn't have when I was 14 and just thought this book was fucking boring. (laughs) This book is fucking boring and I hate it. And I think that's the unfortunate thing too, is a lot of what gets read is like we figured out with, Kill a Mockingbird and stuff like that is what is the publisher willing to get rid of mm-hmm. at a high discount for a large set of volumes and and then finding out things about like the reason that Hawthorne was so popular in the UK was because basically they could print his book for free because copyright laws didn't really exist right like finding out why certain authors are read more widely than others and why some authors are actively suppressed. Yeah, like, um, Zora Neale Hurston. I was like, come on, Brain. Because I knew Zora, but, um... You were there. But, I mean, even having a chance to go and read her 
works on just anthropology and studying of her culture in other people Mm -hmm. was it's incredible. And I, I feel like if kids got a chance to read that, like there's, entire passages in uh, go tell my horse like about the duppy and about all these like spirits and you know traditional practices and stuff in the islands and it's like that was way more interesting than a half this crap that we had to read that was way more interesting than canterbury tales yeah (laughs) that was way more interesting than sonnet five whatever of shakespeare gonna say your favorite a separate piece gurgling noise all right we also got some awesome questions from the bingeables podcast hello friends hello friends um are y'all excited for hank green's next book i have not read his first book uh because i don't care i'm sorry like it's called um i think it's like a remarkable thing something like that it's sci-fi ish it just, it didn't wow me, but I think the question has me curious. An absolutely remarkable thing. That's what it is. And then, I don't know what the sequel's title is. I haven't read that one. Uh, I mean, I'm curious. Now. Honestly, the question did make me curious, so get back with us eventually. But uh, Hank is obviously John's brother. Oh yeah, I was just going, wait a minute. That name sounds familiar. I was going, yeah, Hank- I know John Green. Yeah, Hank is John's brother. So I was like, I read Turtles all the way down recently. I, I don't like John Green as an author. But I will have to try that one. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, we'll, we'll consider it. I don't know why, well, no, I know why I don't like John Green as an author. Because there's a lot of manic, oh. Uh, it's a lot of manic pixie dream girl, and also, like, I do fundamentally just kind of am grossed out by, like, a 40-year-old man writing, like, romance fiction for teenagers. Gotcha. Like, it's very knee-jerk, and I I don't think he's gross. Like, I know that was, like, a Tumblr rumor for a while, was, like, he was gross. I do not in any way think he's gross. Like, yeah. he's a great guy. But, like, there is this, like, knee-jerk feeling of, like, eh. Um, which is weird, because I do think that, like, that is kind of, like, inherently because he is male. Because, like, there is a, actually, Reaper son who did that great Hanagram art. She's an older creator and it's like if you're weirded out by that then like stop like but i guess because like that creator is more female presenting i'm more okay with it i think it is entirely because he is male but like it's this knee-jerk sort of like eh but like i won't besmirch it and also like on just like a writing note yeah i don't really like the wayfish girl and like the manic pixie dream girl stuff that he does a lot because i just think it's boring because i guess for a lot of guys i'm the manic pixie dream girl obviously i'm wearing sparkly leggings is that all it takes? Have you not met me? <laughs> have you not seen me out in the wild? I have seen you out in the wild. I loved that one day you were just talking to that guy who's like talking about we're in Austin. It was a whole thing. Guy came up to her, totally talking to him like he's normal, and I'm like, he's gonna stab us in my head. And then we're walking and somebody cat calls, and I'm like, Did you hear that guy? I'm like, I did not trying to help i sure did not like, notice thank you for defending my honor i don't <laughs> in all fairness i also did talk to those old ladies at the funeral museum about anti-popes yes so like i guess for some people i am the manic pixie dream girl i find topics fascinating when i talk to you so thank you uh so but i'm also not gonna chase you if you disappear like not okay the, the, wait okay. you would paper go- towns paper towns not like if you went missing overnight okay. i was like, like fuck you if you basically left a note saying i don't want to be found i'm gonna go do my own shit i'd be like okay fine okay, i can respect fair. that that's fair but if you said like or you didn't say anything and you just disappeared yeah then i'd look for right you. if this bumble date goes upside down and you don't hear from me yeah i'm gonna be like Call Criminal Minds. Call Criminal Minds. Yeah. Hit Spencer Reed with the BAU. <laughs> He's the oh. only one who can find me. He is the only one who can find you. I, Matthew I would... Greg Lubler, we need you. Yes, call actor Matthew Greg Lubler. Get, a, get Tom Gibson. He's not working anymore. Oh. I've... There's a note in Criminal Minds that, uh, that Spencer Reed was supposed to be bisexual uh-huh. and was supposed to have a thing for uh, Shamar Moore's character and Tom Gibson's com- character. And that is a note that has ruined Criminal Minds for the rest of my existence, knowing that, like, Spencer was supposed to have a thing for Hotchner. 
And by ruined, I mean, yes, I wrote that fan fiction. You did write that fan fiction? Yes. I signed the order. You're like, as long as it's not Order 66, I think we'll be okay. Yay, Star Wars! We talked yeah. about that earlier. Uh, next question from the Vengeables podcast. Uh, we do, we all do an episode of Midsummer's Night Dreaming. We can. I have no opposition, but are you prepared for me to talk about the Fae for like a solid hour? I immediately just went to Game of Thrones. I'm sorry. I mean, that's probably better than me going on a Queen Mob rant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, never mind. I know, Queen, you have Aubrey- I know Queen Mob is Romeo and Juliet. I'm just. There's Puck and the Green Man and all sorts of stuff we could go into. I, I really, I think Midsummer's Night Dream might be one of my favorites of Shakespeare, but at this at this stage, I do think that Shakespeare is a little overcovered and none of it is good. You know what we should have done? Not we should have done freaking Twelfth Night. No one likes Twelfth Night. I love Twelfth Night. No one else likes Twelfth Night. <laughs> I was in it in seventh grade. I was the only person who had no lines, but I knew the whole play backwards and forwards, unlike most of our cast. Anyway, the um, guy who played Malvolio was my hero. Angel, I miss you. You were hysterical. Um, he came out in yellow fishnets for the cross garters, and one of the buckles on his shoe immediately got caught. And so he had to crawl off the stage, and it was just perfection. It was perfection. I mean, I think play analysis is weird, just inherently. It is hard because you, if you read the play, then you kind of get more of the author intent. If you see it performed, you see the director and actor intent. Yeah. And that's where, why it's really, really hard to watch the uh, Fantastic Beasts movies and then read the book or read the, um, the script books, which I hate because I love the movies. I, I don't feel like they're incredibly choppy and I figured out why by reading the script. I feel like that's me with Cursed Child. Yeah, no, Cursed Child I hate and I wish that had never been created. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but I will not let you besperge the name of my official son, Scorpius Siberian Malfoy. Okay, no, there's no problem with that. Just the fact of how poorly done that is. How awful Cursed Child is. So and I, I know so many people right now who are like screaming in their heads. I have friends who really, really like Cursed Child. Your friends have bad days. I, I can't stand it. I'm like, this is so awful. So awful. Scorpius is the only good part of it. It, it feels like really bad fan fiction. Because it is. And this is also why I can't be into the Twilight books, because it feels like really bad fan fiction. Because it is. Um, well, Fifty Shades is. And it's like, I understand if you love it, I'm go for it. I love certain things that people think I'm a fucking psycho for, so... I don't think that. That's good. <laughs> I don't think that that's true. I, I mean, have a I, lot of I books did, on the Mutan Museum, so... I mean, I did just give you a book about Russian dark history. And I'm so excited about it. So, I mean, I, I clearly don't have a problem with it. I think that leads up to a follow-up question. Do we need to cover more modern books? Because I do feel like us covering old-timey books... I would love to cover more modern books as well. Um, I know that people are reading The Kite Runner in school. Um, I know that there's some stuff that's covered in college. I would like to do more elementary school and junior high. Um, I remember reading things like The Egypt Game and The Giver, which I saw your eyes, but no! I didn't like um, The Giver. But there were, but there we are a lot of books now that Publishers are given a discount, so kids are reading it. Um, yeah, I think what might be fun also is doing a bit like a banned books kind of thing. Because like going to a Catholic school, like that was very real for me. Like we didn't have copies of Harry Potter in our no, school. No, you guys didn't. Uh, like we didn't have like the Da Vinci Code, which is actually a book that I really like. Like Angels and Demons. I like Angels and Demons. I do not care for the Da Vinci Code. I respect your opinion. Because it very much feels like the super sexy so-and-so did this and this and this and this. And he is very famous. Anyway, he's in Rome. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to fight you. That's like, okay. Like, that's not going to be the one that I fight you on. I worked at Barnes & Noble when The Da Vinci Code was on the bestseller list. Now, the fun part about that is if you remember how long it was on the bestseller Why list. Why is Elsa on your you phone? You don't really know. Be- Elsa? Oh, it's a Frozen adventure game, and I do not feel guilt for that. Um, <laughs> like, but wait a, wait a we had people <laughs> come in and pray over The Da Vinci Code on the table. We had an entire table that was just 
the Da Vinci Code. And I remember the day that that fell off place number one, we went out for drinks. We're like, fuck this. Because that was, I mean, I just remember having to sticker that 20% off logo in the corner over and over and over again. And then watching all these really good books come in and get completely ignored. But I really like the Da Vinci Code. I especially like how badly the Catholic Church handled it. Kind of like when uh, Disney did Hunchback of Notre Dame and they lost their shit? Uh, more so. With, so, like, the whole thing with, is is that they actually have a valid grievance to trying to separate themselves with Opus Dei. Like, that is a valid grievance because, like, Opus Dei, not to besmirch, but, like, is rogue and not a sanctioned cult of the Catholic Church. Because my alma mater is a sanctioned cult of the Catholic Church. So, like, they're not a sanctioned fascist. So I understand, like, the Catholic Church, like, not one of us! Like... <laughs> You know, but then, like, all the other stuff, like, if this is all hogwash, like you say, defending it, defending against it so aggressively is going to make us wonder. Like, if you really want to quell that suspicion, getting all up in arms is not the way to do it. So now, because you've gotten all up in arms about it, I want to know. Like, that was what got me even more interested in that theory. And that's something I feel like is just normal human interaction is... Don't do this thing. Don't do this thing. It's so bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're well, like, I'm gonna why? fucking do it. Well, why can't I do that? What? Show me. But um, I do think it'd be fun to cover like more like modern books. I think landing with modern books also that they're typically bigger. Uh, and we do have like lives occasionally, so like it'd have to be something I think we've already like read before. Like I think we could easily do a Harry Potter. I think we could easily do like Sorcerer's Stone. I, think- I love audiobooks too with passion. I do. I love and hate audiobooks. I, I, I get why they're there. I think for me, they just end up becoming something that's very, very passive. And I don't retain the way I like. Because, like, it's usually a car thing for me. I'm usually oh, okay, focused gotcha. on, like, not killing someone. I listen to it when I'm cleaning up or doing laundry yeah. or, like, just chilling out. And I feel like I retain more now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I will read it. I'll read the tangible book and I'll listen to the audiobook. Yeah. And that helps a lot. Like, I did that with an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Oh, also, um, I need to give a shout-out to the Gotham podcast as well. Gotham something. Um, they did occurrence at Owl Creek, and that's what actually got me sparked into interest of it again. And also because I refused to do Kurt Vonnegut. Yes. So I'm going <laughs> to... Also I mean, because I refused to read Kurt Vonnegut. I put my foot down. I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, but yeah, we're going to have to go through and create a list for 2020. Yeah, we're going to have to do a list for 2020. Um, I think with our current schedule, we're doing okay. I would like to... Yeah, I agree with you. Like, some of the ones that I read, like, in junior high, I think, would be interesting. Like, I did read The Giver. So, I mean, we could do that. Uh, and also, I think, like... I mean, this sounds terrible, but, like, these end up being better episodes... Of just, like, books that are just, like, objectively terrible. Like, Jonathan Livingston Sing- like Jonathan Livingston oh, Seagull. I never had to read that. I had to read Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Like, the books are just, like, objectively terrible. As much as I don't like being negative, I think are better episodes. But sort of the whole, like, CinemaSins paradox of, like, no one likes being that person who shits on something. But also they end up just being better episodes because we have strong feelings. No one wants to see two fangirls jerk off a book. <laughs> oh lord, I just had a picture in my head and it was like, but but good. like think think like think about our episodes. The ones where we're like like Toni Morrison, those are good episodes, but like think about it. There's not a lot of like conversation. It's just all hail Toni Morrison, which is deserved and valid, but like as entertainment, not so much. They're important and they're valuable because it's Toni Morrison and everyone should read her. But, like, they're not, I think, when I think, like, our best episodes, they're the ones that either one of us is on one end of the field, the other is on the other, or we both universally hate something. What I think is interesting, too, is when it's very obvious we've changed perspective from the first yes. time we read it, because Jane Eyre was, like, my favorite book in high school. And now you hate and it. And now I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, and I went from, like, soft defending Rochester to being like, this guy was a fucking asshole. Like, I'm a little scared now to reread um, Pride and Prejudice because I hated Pride and Prejudice. 
Um, and now I'm scared that if I read it, I might actually like it. And then I have to take back every horrible thing I've ever said about Jane Austen. No, you don't. So. No, you don't. No one's going to make you. I'm not going to make you. Um, so, yeah. I think 2020 is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to what we have in store. If you want uh, to collab with us, we'll link all of our fun contact information in the show notes. And uh, you can always email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Yeah, but um, to Tori, to my co-host, happy 2019, happy official one year. Happy one year. Uh, I could not think of a better person to go on this journey with me. I'm going to cry. Don't cry. I'm not going to cry. We're going to clink bottles together even though they're empty. That sounds good. Welcome to 2020. Welcome to 2020. See you guys on the other side.